1: Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval, terms apply.
0: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, Get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details.
1: Welcome into the Prestige TV podcast feed for a very special Ozark season four preview episode. I'm Joanna Robinson. Joining me is my, uh, a member of my Riververse family, Van Latham. Hi, Van. How are you?
0: Hey, how are you, Joe?
1: I'm doing great. Um, there is no one else on Earth I would rather talk to about a crime show than you, based Fantastic. on everything I've ever heard you say about crime shows and, and, your, and your knowledge thereof. So we're going to talk about um, season four of Ozark is going to drop. The first half of it is going to drop on Netflix this Friday first seven episodes. The back half is gonna drop sometime later in the spring. We'll talk about that strategy in a little bit. Um, and we just thought we'd get on get on a little Zoom call and talk to each other about where we left off, because a lot of people don't even remember what happened at the end of season three. So we're just going to do like a little bit of a recap and sort of why we like this show, why we think it's worth talking about. Then we'll come back and check in with you guys mid-season. So about, I don't know, episode three, episode four, we'll decide. Uh, And then I think episode four, at the end of episode four, I think we should come back and check. And then we'll do one more episode about the last three. So that's three Ozark check-ins with Van and me uh, that, that you will have to enjoy. So Van, let me just start with the biggest, most important question, which is why are you a fan of Ozark?
0: Because uh, I like brilliance.
1: Oh, okay. What makes it brilliant? What makes it brilliant?
0: Well, the show is about how brilliance battles dysfunction. You know?
1: Um, wow, okay. Coming in high. Yeah. I love this. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I think about it. So you have somebody who is just unbelievably mentally resourceful in Marty Bird. Like from the jump, the jump. You figured out that Marty Bird has, not just a, because a lot of guys, a lot of people have it either way. They either have like the numbers and figures brilliance, or they have the read people and know how to act brilliance. It's so IQ, EQ, whole thing. You realize very quickly that not only is Marty just one of the, in terms of numbers, best money launderers ever, but he's also got some slickness to him. He then gets thrust into this situation that is crazy dysfunctional, when he had his life in, albeit a clandestine functionality, but it was very functional, and he's thrown into this, and can he take all of these different things, these different dysfunctional systems, and streamline them to where they work for him and to where he can get him and his family out of the situation that they're in. And every time he's faced with a problem, he has to dig it out, and get up a new, new, uh, a new solution, and it just keeps getting deeper. You find out that not only is Marty this way, but Wendy is this way too. She's got the knack for it at the same time, and so I just love watching them fuck around and figure it out.
1: Um, so I I should have premised, I mean, just in case you're listening to this podcast about Ozark and you've never watched any Ozark, that's that's a choice. But um, I, I figured <laughs> maybe I should tell you what the show's about, which is. <laughs> 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 the Bird family, Marty Bird, played by Jason Bateman, Wendy Bird played by Laura Linney. Uh, and they've got two kids, Charlotte, played by Sophia Hublitz, and Jonah, played by Skylar uh Gartner. Uh, and they were based in Chicago. And Marty was, a, was a, a numbers guy, an accountant, and tangled up in a drug cartel. And as you mentioned, from the jump in episode one, we see him get himself out of a life or death situation by coming up with this scatterbrain idea to go to the Ozarks and wash money for the drug cartel uh, in the Ozarks in Missouri. And so the bulk of the show is set in the Ozarks in Missouri, and so we get uh, to know a bunch of the people who live around this lake resort uh, in the Ozarks. And that's, as, as you say, they keep every single episode, they find themselves deeper in trouble, and every single episode they dig themselves out of it. Um, the show has gotten a bunch of critical acclaim and a bunch of awards, Acclaim. jason Bateman won a directing emmy and julia garner who plays ruth langmore who's like a young local who gets mixed up in their business uh won two consecutive emmy awards for her performance on the show well deserved i think um you mentioned marty bird's resourcefulness for me i think what draws me back to ozark again and again is is the wendy bird uh situation laura linney one of our greatest actresses. Um, doing something really incredible here that i think you know the show gets compared a lot to i think especially breaking bad but a number of those antihero prestige drama shows and on so many of those shows the wife character of the male antihero was often hated because uh well you can dissect all the reasons why but a reason why <laughs> uh is because she always got in the way of the fun by nagging at the antihero to be like stop hey maybe stop cooking meth waltz maybe think about that and um what i love about wendy or i i feel like this is an answer i never had an issue with skyler white but if you wanted to sort of take the dark side of the coin of Skylar white you've got wendy bird who i think as we discovered over the course of the season and the series is even Darker than her husband. Um, yeah. The, the Lady Macbeth thing gets thrown around a lot with Wendy, but um, I think Laura Linney is doing something even more interesting with it. I don't know. What do you think of that whole, I don't know, the prestige TV crime wife and what they did with Wendy Bird instead? So I think
0: the idea of the prestige TV crime wife is really rooted in... And I don't want to go social on you guys. I know you guys it when I do this, but <laughs> it's really rooted in uh, what my mom calls soft misogyny.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, my mother told me she was growing up. And my mother was like, because uh, you know, my mom was a big hippie. She was into all kinds of different things and got it, and uh-huh. a very full of life, sexual woman. She wrote a book called Hussy. Go out and get it. And she would told me. She told me she was like. Your your dad, my dad said, well, you know, when your mom does something wrong, he actually told me this, rest in peace, dad. He goes, when your mom does something wrong, it it hurts me because I know that your mom is like better than me. Your mom is the nicest person I know. Your mom is the most moral person that I know. Your mom is the sweetest, uh, most God-fearing woman I know. And then when she does something to me, and she hurts me like that. It hurts worse because I know I'm just so fucked up man, whatever. My dad said that to him. And I was like, yo, that's... An- Amazing thing. I remember running back and talking to my mom about that. I was maybe like 12 years old. It's like, dad says that like because you're so much better than him, it's 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 uh it's worse, or it, he he gets you can hurt his feelings more, is what I said. Mm-hmm. And she said, uh, that's bullshit. <laughs> she said, Your mama's a human being.
1: Uh-huh.
0: She said, Your mama's a human being. I smoke, I drink, I do all of those things, but I'm not supposed to because I'm a woman. Okay. And so she was like, and she she explained to me all that stuff. And I still didn't buy it. I was like, well, whatever, that's right. You don't know. Um, but that's kind of in the back of men's minds, right? In the back of men's minds is that in that situation, the woman's gonna keep you on the straight and narrow. There's no possible way that she could be more gully than you because women just ain't got that in them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so to see Wendy, the only thing that the only thing that Wendy was that the only thing that Marty was, that Wendy wasn't, was culpable. He was knowledgeable. He knew what was going on. She really didn't. So when she did, she started to see angles how she could advance her own career, mm-hmm. how she could help keep her family together, how she could help keep her family safe. And in many ways, I mean, she's fiercer than him. Absolutely. So they, they broke the mold on that and saying, hey, well, you know, if... A person, a human being looks at a situation to where they feel threatened and they have something to fight for and they also then have something to gain. It has nothing to do with like with gender or sex or the bits that you were born with. It has to do with how you see the angles and what you're potentially trying to do. So I'm glad she broke that mold because to be honest with you, Skylar White is annoying. I'm sorry. She was, she was, she was annoyed. It was like, she was, she annoyed. I'm not with
1: you on that. I'm not with you on that. I'm not with you on that. Um, But I think, I think it's really interesting because Marty Bird is genuine. Like Marty Bird is, I think what Walter White thought he was, which is the guy who's genuinely trying to dig himself out of a hole. And that's what Walter White would lie to himself and tell himself he was until the very end. When finally Skylar got him to admit that he did it for himself. Yeah. Wendy is the Walter White in that she's doing this because she gets she gets off she likes on it. the power. And, you know, taking things off her to-do list, I think, is something that Marty calls it. But, like, the way that Wendy becomes the closer, the enforcer. Like, if you need someone to come in and close and to be really scary, you don't call Marty. You call Wendy in. And she will rip you apart. And there's one more added thing you you brought up a social issue, so I'll bring up a social issue, which is I was this occurred to me sort of doing a season three re- rewatch. oftentimes, Wendy comes in with a charm offensive before she comes in with the like scary shit oh, right? almost always, yeah. And she'll dimple mm-hmm. it up, right? And like Laura Linney mm-hmm. has this sort of Midwestern charm, even though she I think she's a New Englander. but like she's got this sort of like Midwestern mom sweetheart. It's a very, like weaponized. White, feminine, like it's it's that sort of Karen shit that we've been talking about for a really long time. Like perfectly weaponized by Wendy Bird, the white female fragility, the the white female like charm offensive, all that sort of stuff. She is just pinpointed to get her way, and she knows exactly when to flip from the dimples to the threats. And the way that Laura Linney, again, one of our finest actresses, like. D- runs the gamut and can flip so quickly. She can dimple at someone and then turn around and face the camera and her face drops and you're terrified. I just think it's an incredible performance in this show. I think it's one of the best, like, of all of Prestige TV, of all of Prestige crime shows, I think this is one of the best antiheroes we've ever had, honestly. And,
0: and I remember, she's been doing it for a long time because I remember her back in the Truman Show days mm-hmm. where oh, yeah. she had to be, where, it, I, the reason why I love that movie and we, the reason why I love that movie is because I liked the cast interviews that they do when they were off Truman Show set. When Truman was the only... And they would talk to these people as just people. Yeah. And you think about what a terrible thing she's doing. Like, even then, you think about what a terrible thing it is that she's doing to Truman. That's
1: what really but she's comp. Yeah. She's
0: like, a, she's like an actress that has to be a charming actress person. But at the same time, she's talking to you and you're thinking... She's like, I'm a professional. Like, I I work, and it's this, and it's that, and it's just. She was talking about having sex with this guy who thinks that they're in love, but they're not. And, and it was like this whole thing. You're like, wow, she is giving this in a very human sort of, I don't know, cutting way. She just had a way of doing it. And like every time I think of that, I think about that same performance. She's she's able to recreate that same. Cut you with the smile, but love you with the smile type of energy that she has, uh, that she had then in this right here. She does it perfectly.
1: Let's talk about Julia Garner, who is the actress who has gotten all the awards um, for this. I think I think she deserves them. I just think Laura Linney deserves one too before she goes. Um, Ruth Langmore, this character, this this actress's performance. What do you think of it? Why do you think it's the one that is, you know, gotten so much attention?
0: Well, number one, she was the one we were at least familiar with, and I think that's always something that 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 you know. You see somebody on screen and they're going toe-to-toe with Jason Bateman who is fantastic in this. Just fantastic. I can't wait to talk about his performance in the upcoming season. Like, he's like he's fantastic in this. And Laura Linney and just, you know, other people, other people that we're used to seeing around. And to see somebody who we didn't know that much about not only hold their water but some of everybody else's in scenes, she's going to be the one that pops. And also, it's, it's hard to be mad it's hard to be emotional, but it's definitely hard to be mad and mad emotional. It's mm-hmm. hard to be both. It's hard to be the hard ass that keeps the family together. Um, And she plays it like with a, she plays it as a force of nature, but also with a sensitivity and a vulnerability that is very intoxicating when you watch her on camera. So I, she, she's, I mean, you know, she's doing her thing in, in all three seasons that, you know, people have seen. Yeah, she's doing her thing.
1: And I think they've given her more and more to do as they saw what she could do and how much attention she got for doing it. And I think that exactly what you're saying. I think there's a version of this character that's very one note, and she's like, "No, I'm going to play all the all all the keys on the piano uh, for you." And there is like, there's an easy impression you could do of Ruth, but you couldn't necessarily capture the nuance of like all the all the stuff that's bubbling under the surface when
0: she does her stuff. So. And she does this thing with her eye, real quick. I want people to look out for the thing with the eye. She does like a when she when it's it, like a she's, flutter,
1: right? Like
0: yeah, like a flutter with like the eye flick. Yeah, like and she's and that's like whenever she glitches up emotionally. I love when actors have that. Like Brad Brad Pitt has the thing with the hand that he does. You know what I mean? I love I when do. actors have <laughs> actors have that little glitch. Brad Pitt does this. Yeah. You know, Dizel Washington does a thing with the neck. You know, I love when they have that little thing where you know they're about to kick it the high gear and she does that. And that's like when she's almost, when either she's super pissed or when someone really has her on something emotional and she didn't think they had her on it.
1: She's like a um, a Westworld uh, robot. Exactly. To go into killer mode. Yeah, exactly. Um, can I just shout out really quickly that poor, um, I think his name is, I think you pronounce it Skylar Gartner, who plays Jonah, so he was like 13 when they started this show, and not much time is supposed to have passed in the show. So, this my guy is 18 years old now, playing 14 on the show. And I just want to, um, just want to look out for that maybe in season four. How, uh, yeah, uh,
0: the fact that he looks like he could play for the Lakers. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, <laughs> like he's a full grown, like, I mean, like, it's mm-hmm. like, but I, but I always love that. I always love that. We're watching Game of Thrones one time and then all of a sudden we're watching it again and fucking everybody's grown up and all. Yeah. I love watching that. Love it. Especially Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai is supposed to happen. <laughs> Cobra, Cobra Kai is supposed to happen. This is not all a couple. Cobra Kai is supposed to happen in the space of a couple of months. <laughs> Just grown up adults now. Miguel was yeah, like... Yeah, those kids. Yeah. <laughs> right. Those kids are adult. Right.
1: Um. So the the there are two, I think, big plots in season three that we should remind people of. The big bomb that they drop in the season is that Wendy's brother, Ben, who has bipolar disorder, comes to stay with them, falls in love with Ruth, goes off his meds so that he can, you know, have a sexual relationship with her. And in going off his meds and finding out about the, like, becomes a liability and Wendy has to take him off the board and this is like a big i mean Wendy's already on the dark side but this is a big 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 moment for Wendy a crossing of a line for her in having to basically order the kill on her beloved brother um and that drives a wedge between the birds and Ruth who has been faithful to Marty uh, as like a faithful lieutenant, a really, really, you know, necessary member of his organization, because she fell in love with with Ben, and also for Jonah, um, their son, who really loved his uncle and is distressed that he's gone. This is essentially they essentially gave Laura Linney kind of her Love Actually plot. Oh. Uh, is is uh, something that I noticed in rewatching season three. It's essentially watching the end of Love Actually, but um. This is a big, big wrench and everything. How did how did that work for you? Like, how did the Ben plot work for you? Uh,
0: it worked perfectly in a couple of different ways. Uh, number one, it separated the humans from the robots. It's very important. <laughs> always important to always important to separate the humans from the robots in a situation like this. Uh, number one, it was a, the Ben plot was an origin story for Wendy.
1: Mm, tell me about that.
0: Okay, so Michael Corleone isn't really Michael Corleone until he has Fredo killed. Right. All right. Uh so he you say, hey, he executes all the guys at the end of one. True. Very true. He figures out Hyman Roth. True. Very true. But he doesn't really become Michael Corleone, the godfather, until he's had to make a decision about uh business, ethics, um, over his personal relationship with someone, you know, over that. That's when he's really a cold-hearted killer. Mm-hmm. Everybody has that, right? The only guy who got it a million different times was Tony Soprano, who basically killed everyone he ever shook hands with in the show. <laughs> Chris died, Big Pussy died. You know, like, like, every every all of those people died. So that was Wendy's origin story. There's no turning back for Wendy. You know, like, Wendy, she's not quite a Michael Corleone level sociopath, but she realized in that situation that her brother had to go, and the decision was made. Now, for everyone else it was exactly the opposite thing. You saw to me what they weren't capable of. Um for for Ruth it for Ruth it's not that she would have ever been down with that. She that's something she would have never done. But it there's a dividing line between her and the birds. Like family is so important to her. All of that stuff is so important to her. It's not something she could ever re- she could ever really see herself doing. But it she keeps- killed, she killed her uncles. She did kill her. She she did kill her uncles, but it's different. They were enemies to her, um, more like. They weren't, they weren't people who were put it to you like this. Her uncles didn't come out against her. Like this guy was someone who not that was an enemy, but who was just damaged. Yeah and couldn't control himself and more than anything he didn't really need eliminating he needed like love
1: yeah
0: he needed someone to be like and he needed protection like her, by the time she killed her uncles her uncles were they were trying to fuck over her they were and they had really been fucking over her her whole life so it was it was a little it was a little bit different that storyline was important to me because as far as i'm concerned it's the storyline that like to be a misogynist here that separated the men from the boys, <laughs> because they they it, it it put the birds in the situation to where they did something that most of the audience couldn't relate to, and that's very very important when you're when you're doing a show like this.
1: And it's interesting that like Marty Marty kind of has his cans clean because he isn't there for it, but at the yeah. same time he's supportive of the move, and he's very much like there's nothing else you could have done. Like, uh, I mean? In reality, they had yeah. no choice.
0: They had to do it. You know what I mean? But she
1: tried, like in that whole sequence at the end of season three, where she takes him on, you know, they're driving towards Knoxville and they're trying to go. And at every turn, I mean, like, honestly, I don't understand all the time she leaves him alone is a, is a, is a, is was sort of like a script thing where I'm like, if I, if I had an out of control bipolar brother, and I was trying to smuggle him somewhere. I would not leave him alone as many times as when he leaves him alone. Because, like, whenever she leaves him alone, he fucks up and he does something that she's like, I can't control him. Um, but I, uh, she tries. She kind of tries. And then she just gives up and feels like there's nothing else she can do. Does it also then, do you feel like this puts Charlotte and Jonah on two different sides? Because Charlotte yep. is like, I can understand this. And Jonah's like, I can't, I can't, it, it, I can't be here.
0: Yep, it's the clear dividing line. Charlotte, like Jonah, Jonah was craving to be seen. Everyone saw Charlotte, mm-hmm. pretty girl, blonde girl, everywhere she goes. Uh, everyone sees her. Jonah needed to be seen. He was a little bit different, and his uncle saw him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it would—his uncle could have been Hannibal Lecter. It was—it was, uh, was going to be a different situation. His uncle saw him, and because he saw him, he didn't want to lose the only person that one of the only people that saw him that paid attention to him that he was cool with that he had a bond with you know Jonah yeah. was actually looking for that and his dad can't really be that yeah. cuz his dad is too wrapped up in the world of cartel business and uh, and and washing money um and so i, I think it was a clear dividing line between them even though i don't think their relationship is going to be as strained as brother and sister uh over it but it just shows you who is willing to buy in and you know who wasn't
1: We've also got, um, okay, so I want to shout out one of my favorite characters and actors on the show, which is uh, Lisa Emery plays Darlene Snell, who's a local uh, heroin producer. I love this woman. Terrifying. I love this I love this actress. I love this character. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Um I already said that about Wendy Bird. I mean this show has like so many interesting roles for women, but like this character, Darlene, and even the actress Lisa Emery who's like a veteran stage actress, she's not really done a lot that you might know of in film and television, but she is long history on the stage. And she's even said that every time she gets a script, she's like, I have no idea what Darlene is going to do. I have no idea. It's exciting for me every time. She's so unpredictable and a joy to play. And that's the thing. It's like any scene, you don't know which way Darlene's going to go. You cannot predict her behavior. She's terrifying. Um, and just even the look of the character, it's just like, you know, that's not what that actress looks like in real life. They do, they put something in her eyeballs every before every scene or something like that, that they're like constantly glassy. She's constantly terrifying. Um, where where do you stand with Darlene?
0: She's like brutal humanity. <laughs> it's like she's not trying to be anything other than the person in front of you. And she doesn't fucking, she's not conniving at all. It's right on top of the surface. You know who she reminds me of? Who's that? She reminds me of the female version. I'll tell you what this, you're not gonna, you're not gonna agree, but she reminds me of the female version of Albert Brooks in Drive, and I and let me tell you why.
1: I'm not disagreeing. I'm just delayed okay. by this unexpected comparison. Hit me.
0: So, so like in Drive,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it was Ron Perlman and Albert Brooks. You thought Ron Perlman was the one that you really had to fucking be worried about. You thought he was a hot head, hard ass. Really, it turned out that it was Albert Brooks the whole time. He was the fucking guy that would do anything, kill anyone. Yeah. Poor Brian Cranston, got his fucking got killed in a way <laughs> I've never actually seen done on screen before. Like, cause don't worry, it's gonna be no pain. It's over now. It's done. It's very, very scary. And so when when it when it became obvious that as far as heroin poppy growing Ozark's people uh it, it, w- went that she was the fucking scary one. Yeah. To me that's when the show really took on its its it, it the the show took its next step. When she be, she and I, her husband became the fucking figurehead and the leader of that whole organization because I get tense when I see her.
1: Yeah, and her husband was played by Peter Mullen who is one of the scariest people ever. Like f- fantastic scary he actor. He's great. He's yeah. so good and so scary and she's like he's nothing.
0: Yeah, like nothing. you like it, and when people see the new season, they'll see it too. Like, everybody's on screen. You never know what's going to happen. You never know what she's going to do. You never know when she's going to show, when she's going to use sugar. You never know when she's going to uh, fucking turn around and use gasoline. She's just... And she's still, like, viscerally emotional as well. Like, she's... she
1: And she's it, not it, all... She's not pure evil, right? Because, like, not, the way in no, which she takes care of Zeke the baby Uh and the way in which she takes care of Wyatt you know uh, Ruth's cousin who she you know gets into this relationship with but you know she gives him shelter like when she first when she first sort of uh, encounters him in season three you think she's just using him as sort of like a long wedge for the birds and like maybe that's part of the game there you know, like as a way to get to Ruth, she's going through wide and stuff like that. But eventually you're like, no, there's a real tenderness and connection here. And this is the most surprising uh romance in a prestige crime show I've ever seen. And uh let, let's live in this. Let's live in this space for a little while. Um, all right, let's let's talk about the the way the season three ends. Uh, ends on a massive moment uh when the birds and Helen Pierce play by uh Fantastic. And the fantastically tall Janet McTeer <laughs> uh, get get off the plane in, in Mexico to uh, to meet with Omo Navarro, the uh, head of the cartel. And you think the birds are in danger, but it's uh, Helen Pierce who gets her brains blown out physically all over the birds. They are just covered in her brain matter. That's how the season ends. Uh, a very a very uh, that felt like a very Breaking Bad moment to me. Um, Will you miss Helen? Or do you feel like it was a good time for her to go?
0: She got on my nerves. Yeah. I mean, she was great. For it. She was she she was great, but I just I felt like the the character was almost redundant in a way. Like she it wasn't, you know. Unless they were unless they were gonna give her whole, her whole thing. Um I, I like I oh don't get me wrong, I was I was shocked when uh they got her. Just because of what that means for the show, mm-hmm. like who saw that coming? You do you know what I mean? Like she seemed yeah. like the last person that was going to get it. Um, but now nah, I, I won't be particularly missing a great character. But she looks she looks like a one season or two seasoner. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I think she was. I think she would have been really good as a one season, and they sort of stretched her over two seasons. Right. And I think you know there was a little bit of like wheel spinning. Around that. I want to ask you generally, like, we've made a couple Breaking Bad comps and a couple other things in Godfather, etc. Like, when you think about a crime narrative, like, I know you did this great rewatch of The Wire. I've heard you talk about The Godfather with, like, forensic level of knowledge. Uh, there's the FX era that I really loved, like Sons of Anarchy, Justified, uh, The Shield, obviously. Um, like, what are these crime shows, like, what do you love most about them? Like, why do you get really into them? Rebellion. Tell me
0: about that. The same reason why people get involved, get love the American mafia, right? Look at me. I've never been I've never done anything bad. I've never been arrested. <laughs> no. I'm a I'm what like what I'm what uh I'm what uh the they would call a hump, you know? It's a hump? It's a hump. You know, they say, Oh, look at this hump. They call God the 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 Italian guys and the the uh the uh you know you see watching movies goodfellas yeah yeah uh, a bronx tale there's this a this guy's a fucking hump i use a hump he's like a dude who doesn't who doesn't take any chances doesn't live outside of the norm doesn't go with the family or whatever just goes to work like really a responsible good work good hard working american <laughs> is basically Uh-oh. a hump a real hump it's um, a real hump this guy's uh, a fucking
1: hump what are, like do you do you even have like parking tickets like where where's your level of rebellion no parking tickets here's my
0: thing here's my thing yeah I grew up around... See, this is my thing, Joe. I grew up around too many real hardcore criminals. And my brain processed that it just didn't... I never knew any one of them that was like 65, grilling out with his kids and his grandkids going, ah, you know, I was a hellraiser back in the day. I'm sure there's some, but I never knew them. Right. The guys I knew were on dope. They had been back and forth to jail my uncles would come out of jail, and they would be like, "Yo, if I ever hear you even getting nearly in any trouble, you have no idea. It's like you don't want this." And they would go into graphic detail yeah. about things that happened to you <laughs> if you it's end like up in the wrong place. Scare,
1: scared straight, the van life. I never. Right? It was never. Yeah.
0: A, it was never a thing for me. Plus, mm-hmm. I was. I had both parents in the home. I was loved. I was nurtured, and I was rewarded for doing the right thing. But still, though, there is something. And as Americans, we have to be honest with this. That's intoxicating about watching people that are in high-stake situations all the time, that adhere to a different set of rules, a different set of values, and seeing how those people, like, how they sort of intersect with us. And I think that was the thing that the Sopranos did, right? In, in like, uh, in the Godfather and Goodfellas and all of that other stuff. Um, he would these guys would talk about family, but it meant something different. Mm. And there was no, they didn't show the other part of it. Sopranos, Tony is dealing with not just what's going on, but the fact that AJ. is a little weirdo. Meadows got to get into a good school, and all of those things. So I think one of the things that keeps bringing me back is like to see how to see the fact that we're just people capable of doing. Really, really shitty things to one another if the motivations are there,
1: yeah, and you
0: always want to see what the motivations are for these characters to do the things that they're doing,
1: or the justifications for about Justifications, Hagen, right sure. yeah. like the motivations are one thing, but there's also just sort of like the lies we tell ourselves um, about why we do what we do. I think that's always really interesting to watch. And I think what's interesting is that ozark um, there's an interesting essay on uh, up on G q right now about how Ozark has always been considered a Breaking Bad ripoff and that it doesn't deserve that, that it, like, deserves its own legacy. But what I do think is interesting is that that Ozark comes at the tail end of this antihero era that was really kicked off by The Shield and Sopranos, right? And we had this, like, antihero prestige drama crime show. Um, I think that the Telegraph review of season four of Ozark says, uh, the headline is, The Last Great Amoral Antihero. So when you think of some other shows that we like to watch, like huge shows like Game of Thrones or Succession, like there are people behaving badly, but at the center of it, like we're talking about kings and knights and we're talking about business people who are absolutely criminals in their own right, you know, but we're not talking about like how is the drug cartel going to be evaded this week, which was very much a kind of narrative that we followed for like almost a decade, right? Decade plus. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think that era of TV ended? Like why are we no longer interest as interested in those shows? Social media. Tell me about that.
0: So let's say what social media does. Social media it puts us in the so social media puts us in the uh the examine everything era, which I love. Because I love to examine everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm up early in the morning watching fucking videos on YouTube about how planes fly and stuff. I love like <laughs> I love the examine everything era. Yeah. But Examining everything just naturally leads you to examining how trash things are. Tony can't exist in this era because he's just too much of a fucked up guy. We made so many excuses to like Tony's like the worst, right? And so I think now that these antiheroes um, that we're talking about, like when we look at them, they all have to do tremendously bad things, which actually is kind of what separates Marty Burr from the rest of them. He's almost exclusively reactionary. You know what I mean? He's almost exclusively reactionary. He's not very power-hungry, that Marty Bird, Wendy, a little different. Marty, not so much. Yeah. I think that we might have really lost our stomach for characters like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, number one, these used to also be the types of people that we glamorize and worship in real life there was real life worship with America over John Gotti mm-hmm. and, and big time mafia bosses. And cause remember this didn't just happen on TV. This is at the tail end of a bunch of guys getting movies. This is a tail end of American, of, of, of American gangster and paid in full and all of those movies kind of come yeah. in. And there's the BMF show right now and there's still power, but those are more like BMF is a really good, but that's like something that actually happened. So you know how that story ends. Mm -hmm. And then with power, that's almost like a dramatization or like a soap opera of these types of things, right? Um, It's not as brutal as some of the other shows that we've seen. So for me personally, I personally wonder if audiences, if if the era that we're in now has made it less palatable for us to really dive into characters like this.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was a time when you wouldn't think twice about a guy having a Scarface poster on his wall, and now it's... A, f- a red flag. Like if someone is glamorizing Scarface, yeah. you're kind of like,
0: mm, eh. he killed his boy. You like that movie okay.
1: Do you need a poster on your wall about it? I don't know. Like,
0: <laughs> I, have, I have some questions about that.
1: Um, <laughs> um, but I, I, and I think also the, uh, it's the the white male antihero is like a big, Part of that, like, you know, it was like, it's Don Draper, it's Walter White, it's Tony Soprano. Like, these were the guys that we were sort of invested in, in in like ensorcelled by, and all this sort of stuff like that. And then, and then we start to interrogate that. And I think, especially not to make it too political, but I think, especially after four years of Trump, we're like, "Mm, we're done. We're uh, we're done. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like we're we're done with that. And I think that's yeah. why I think a reason why Ozark still has juice in the tank is because exactly what you said. That Marty Bird is not really that guy. That Wendy is, and that's at least still a little interesting to watch a, a woman swim in that stream in the stream that we've seen like white men do for so long. So
0: that's why, Joe. I've been talking to people all around the town. I know what the next wave is. Tell me, bad ladies. Okay, women villains.
1: We're in it. Ta- Marvel's well, I, in it. You know what I, I
0: mean? I, Marvel's in it, but I mean like I want to like Queen of the South. You ever watch that show? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like you know, you know, like good show. But like I'm talking about like because what about
1: claws. Did you ever watch that show on TV? Love it. Love it. Love claws. Love claws. Yeah,
0: I'm telling you. There has to be – and by by the way, next – the next phase of bad ladies is not bad lady that was married to a bad guy. Now she has to be bad. No. I want bad to the bone. I want raised raised poorly, has made the decision on her own (laughs) that she's (laughs) – you know what I mean? Bad ladies is what's next. I'm telling you.
1: All right. So we know this is the final season of Ozark. It's split into two seven-episode chunks. Um, This is what they did with the end of Breaking Bad. This is what they did with, you know, Lupin. Like, Netflix has done a couple other shows. Um, I think it's an awards play, honestly. I think they're debuting the first seven episodes and they're going to drop the next seven closer to the awards deadline because Ozark has been a contender at the Emmys, but I think it's always been a little far away from Emmy voting to... Recency bias is a huge thing when it comes to the Emmys. So if, like, Laura Linney gets to do something amazing in the finale, which I'm sure she'll get to. Like, maybe Emmy voters will remember her a little bit more. And, you know, maybe she has an edge over Sarah Snook in succession or something like that. But this is the end of this story of The Birds. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about how it's handled in in the first seven episodes itself when we get to that. But just thinking about the larger picture of, like, how these other crime stories end, like how it ends for Michael Corleone and how it ends for Walter White and how it ends for Tony Soprano. Like, what kind of ending do you feel like the birds deserve or that you want to see for them. You know?
0: It's going to sound crazy, but I need the birds to win.
1: Okay. Tell me why.
0: Because, man, like...
1: All of the them? Of the, All of them?
0: I need the birds to win. Okay. I need the birds to win because we get it. TV doesn't want to reinforce that the bad guys win. Okay? I grew up in... Uh, an area where the bad guys or the the guys that you would say were bad, my uncles weren't bad. They taught me how to play basketball. Y'all might think they're bad. I think they were great guys. Um, but but uh, but what we do know is in the world that we live in, the Marty Birds they win sometimes. They win a lot of the time. The guys behind it. The, the, these guys are kind of the guys that 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 weasel lot of it and for whatever reason I think it's cliche at this point for there to be some major major tragedy that befalls them and they have to pay a price for whatever it is that they did mm. right now their lives will never be the same no matter what they've already had to pay an immense price for what they've gotten themselves into and they'll probably keep could, like continue to pay that price but if this ends with one of the kids dying, or we lose Marty, or we lose Wendy, remember how they they what they did in three? Fucking Michael did all of this shit, and then he had to lose his daughter, who was in a relationship with her cousin.
1: Dies Weird. All alone, Godfather.
0: Yeah, I, you know I what just what watched. I mean?
1: You know, I just watched that for the first time a couple weeks ago. What'd you think? Of uh, three, the first time I'd seen one and two, obviously a bunch of times. Yeah, uh, I was like, well, surely it can't be as bad as they say. And then I was like, eh, man, man. <laughs> You know, when like you've had like so long so many years of people telling you a movie's horrible, you're gonna go in with like rock bottom expectations and be like, this is not that bad. And I was like, uh, so many baffling choices went into this. The yeah. like Sophia Coppola, you're like, surely she's not that bad. And you're like, No, she is that bad. But even yeah. if they had a better actress in there, that plot line it's is still terrible part. T- and confusing and Andy Garcia is giving it his all but I'm like but for what? Like for for to what end Andy yeah. Garcia? Um, right. But that ending for Michael is perfect, right? He dies alone and old. He doesn't die young mm-hmm. he dies old and alone
0: right. and
1: um, it's perfect. So erase everything else that happens in that movie and just give me that ending. It's it's pretty good. And I think Walter White dying the way that he does is is kind of perfect. And I think the ambiguity of the end of Sopranos is kind of perfect. And I think what happens to most of the characters in The Wire is kind of perfect. So I think for me, I don't necessarily need the birds to win, though you're right. You're absolutely right that it, that is the way things go. Like, I will be not surprised if that's how Succession ends. Everyone's fine in Succession because nothing bad ever happens to these people, you know? Um, But I don't know. I think often when a character has the opportunity to get out and they don't fully take it, which is something I can see Wendy doing of like, I just need one more job, right? One last job, Um, you know, chasing that high. Um, Then I'm like, well, the kids absolutely don't deserve it. The kids need to be fine. My poor, sweet, extremely tall Jonah, especially, needs to be fine. I need him (laughs) to live. I would like Ruth to also be fine. That is something I would like.
0: I don't know about Ruth, man.
1: You think you think she's headed towards disaster? I like
0: Ru- Ruth is the one I'm most concerned about.
1: Mm.
0: Okay. Yeah. I don't know about Ruth. Ruth is the one that I'm that I'm most that I'm most concerned about. Ruth is gonna lose something. Either Ruth is gonna lose herself or she might end up losing Wyatt, which would be worse than her losing herself. So I don't know about Ruth, man.
1: The one that I'm really worried about actually uh, is Maya Miller. We haven't talked about her, but she's the FBI forensic accountant who comes in in season three and she's pregnant uh, for like all of season three. And Marty really likes her. That's the thing about Marty is that he like, you know, he really likes Ruth. Like he genuinely likes Ruth and he yeah. genuinely likes Maya. There's this like mutual respect between the two of them and she likes him. Um, but I'm worried. I am really worried about Maya. And I'm like, they w- they wouldn't do that.
0: Right, you let them kill that sister on TV. Mm-mm. Netflix would be posting black squares on Instagram. <laughs> like they, you better not, they better not kill that sister. Like wills Martin Luther King Day was yesterday. We'll show up there about like we we get fucking two black people on the whole show, maybe more. No, it was her. Let's count. Let's count the black people that have been on the There's OZAR. the let's other. The F- there's the other
1: FBI guy. The other
0: FBI guy. Yeah, who's great actor. Mm-hmm. Uh. The other FBI guy, Maya, which, by the way, I don't really need that many black people for something set in the the Ozarks. Ozarks. I I never heard nobody being like, yo, man, it's lit. We going to the Ozarks. I'm sure they do, but I I never heard it, so I don't need it, but I'm just thinking, come on, man. Plus, pregnant lady. She's about to have a baby. Baby on the
1: way. Yeah. Baby
0: on the way. Yeah. Absolutely. Who knows?
1: All right. Um... Well, I think that's a good—do good, we miss anything from season three that people need to be reminded of before we head into season four? Anything? I mean, you know, the cartel is wrapping the birds in tighter. You know, that's always something we need to be worried about. Uh, the machinations of Ozark politics, pol- the political angle is something that's kind of interesting about this show. Wendy's whole aspirational— uh, you know, being a political mover and shaker of the Midwest, something we don't pay enough attention to probably, uh, especially those purple states. They keep mentioning that Missouri is a purple state, which I think is interesting. Anything else we should have in our eye on before we go to I down? just want to say one
0: thing about yeah. season three. Ben was fucking fantastic.
1: Yeah. Uh, Tom Pelfrey is Tom the guy's Felfry. name? Yeah, Tom Pelfrey.
0: Yeah, I watched that again to like, he's fucking amazing.
1: You know that one episode? I think it's episode eight. I want to say where it's the cold open is just him like having a full break in like the cab that he's in, uh-huh. and it's just the camera on him as he's having a mental episode. Uh, the cold opens of Ozark are always incredible. Also, always love trying to figure out what the various pictures are going to mean in the episode. But, um, but that cold open, I agree with you. It's fantastic performance. Really, really good one season character.
0: He redeemed himself for his participation in the uh, worst television show of all time.
1: Oh, it was Tom Netflix
0: Netflix's Iron Fist.
1: I didn't remember him from that show. Oh, yeah. All right, let's not leave on that downer note. Um, anything else? What are What are you? <laughs> <laughs> like you can't leave it with Iron Fist, right? Like that's that's not where right. we're gonna leave off. Uh, we've got a couple new, uh, people joining the fold in season four. Um, Alfonso Herrera is here as, uh, Omar's nephew, Javi. Um, there's a PI. There's just like a couple new elements sprinkled in a couple people sort of peeking their head in to see what's going on, uh, in the Ozarks. So we'll talk about all of them, uh, in our next episode. I really think, so we're going to check in after episode four. So watch their episode four, take a break, stretch your legs, go for a walk listen to us talk about it and then finish up the final three episodes and we'll be there for you after the finale Um, until then Van where can folks find you?
0: Higher Learning with Van Lathan and Razor Lindsay and of course the Ringiverse of the Midnight Boys a pew pew a pew pew you guys can see us there
1: yeah if you want to hear Van talk about Godfather with like precision (laughs) Listen to him talk about the book of Boba Fett. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. Um, you can also find me on The Ring of You can find me here on the Prestige TV podcast feed talking about, oh, I don't know, Yellow Jackets with Mallory Woo. and Bill or Euphoria with Nora Princiati. There's a lot going on in this feed. Uh, you're going to want to check back in here. Almost every day, there's something new for you. Um, and yeah, we'll be back after episode four. This episode was produced by Mike Morgan. And thank you all so much. We'll see you next time.